This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This week on the Real Guy Podcast, we have Zach Routman, also known as Captain Slip from No Doubt Fishing Charters here in Fort Lauderdale. He's a guide from the new generation, and I'm proud to say he has been an intricate part of the team that is fighting for clean water here in Fort Lauderdale. He, myself, along with many others, are calling out Assistant Director of Public Works here in Fort Lauderdale, Nancy Gassman. She is a big part of the problem, and in this interview, you will find out why. Only this week on the Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. So welcome to the Real Guy Podcast. Today in the Lunker Dog Studios, I got Captain Schlipp, <laughs> old Zach Routman from uh, No Doubt Fishing Charters here in Fort Lauderdale. Zach, thanks for coming into the Lunker Dog Studios. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. I was, uh, I was out fishing the other night and it's dark out. And I'm rolling by Lauderdale Marina, and um, this guy's looking at me like I know him or something, and I didn't <laughs> recognize him. And it was friggin' Zach. He stepped up. What was the old boat you had? How, how do you? That was a use, right? Hughes Tailfisher, and it said Flats Masters. It had a little wrap on the side of it. Right. And it was, what, what year what boat was that? 2006. Okay. And his engine looked like it was a 2001. <laughs> but I mean, he's, he thoroughly got his use out of that. But it was a, it was a pretty tiny boat, right? Yeah, it was 17, tunnel hole. Not ideal for fishing, uh, you know. What? Water- Tough boat to get bow thrustered in? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For big boat wakes in the intercoastal. So um, I'm rolling by him the other night, and I'm, like, checking out the fancy flat skiff, and I didn't realize it was Zach. <laughs> I didn't realize it was Zach. Dude, so what did the uh, – tell tell me tell the audience what you stepped up to. Got a 18 Maverick HPX. Nice. So it's got a 115 Yamaha on it. A lot more stable, can you know fit an extra person in a little more comfortable, and uh, you know even a little, little more comfortable at the tip of the jetties or in some some bigger wakes and things like that. Right, right. And um, I don't know about you, but my anglers are not getting any smaller. Yeah, I guess a big son of bitches out there. I always thought about you in the old days in the old boat. I was like, what's he do when he gets a th- gets a th- when he gets a three hundred pounder out there? Yeah, so it's. Uh, <laughs> A lot of, not a lot of room on that uh, little boat. Definitely uh, hard to hard to keep everyone uh, you know in the same spot and get to move everybody around and things like that. So a lot more room on the new boat. 
Nice, nice. Now that 115, that old Yamaha 115, best engine, in my opinion, ever made. I've had three of them. Well, you got the, you got the, you get the um, SHO or no? Yeah. Okay, so I've had three of those, and I had one of the old gray ones, the regular F115. The F115, I got 7,800 hours out of. 7,800? 7,800. And I took it off the boat, and it was still running fine. It just started squeaking and wiggling a little bit, and I was like, I I better get a new engine. So then I went with the SHO. I got 5,600 out of the second one. And, again, um, the engine was still the engine was still running fine. But uh, I finally actually had a breakdown with it at like 5,600, the spindle up in the top where it hits the uh, engine head actually spun out. So I actually broke one. So between 5,600 and 7,800, my first breakdown was, what's that, 12, let's call it, just call it 12,000 hours before I had a breakdown on, that, on the Yamaha's. And then even the engine that I have now, I couldn't get a brand new SHO during the COVID thing. So the guys listening to the podcast over there at Fort Myers Marina, where he's listening to me, you know, bitch about not having a new engine. Right. So the guy calls me. He says, dude, he says, the lower unit on your old engine. Good. And I said, yeah. He says, well, I got a upper end. I got the rest of the engine. If you take this engine here, it's got about 2000 hours on it. Put your old um, lower, <laughs> lower unit. unit on the back. <laughs> and that's what I'm rolling with now. And I'm at like 2200 hours on this engine now. Yeah, they're, uh, I mean, they're really good. My old engine on the old boat was uh, a Yamaha, I think, F60, four-stroke, and never had an issue with it. I mean, you know, right. service it regularly and things like that. But when I was trying to sell it, it was kind of an issue because I had 4,500 hours on it. And, you know, people would be like, so how many hours does the boat have on it? I'd be like, 4,500. They're like, you mean 450? I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> 4,500. And it scared a lot of people away, but... I'm mean, like, like you said, I mean, you can run those things into the, into the ground and they're great. Yeah. And I see the other guys, you know, they're getting the Suzuki's and not saying Suzuki's bad or anything, but they're getting the Suzuki's to save a thousand bucks or whatever they can save on the, on the engine. And in our business, that's a sucker's game because it only takes one trip to pay for the difference between the two engines. Right. And I watch the other guides get the Suzuki's or the Mercury's, and I'm just like shaking my head like, eh, well, if you can afford it. Right. <laughs> right. It's good to know everything. It's good to be the authority on everything. <laughs> but anyway, how's the, uh, so what are we, uh, three weeks and three months into the tarpon season now? How, how's your trips going? Trips going pretty well. Um, you know, we've been doing tarpon here since they kind of showed up late December or so. Um, kind of been a little bit of a different uh, year. We haven't really had much of a winter. Um, and a lot of the fish that we've been getting haven't been our, our huge fish for whatever reason. I don't know about you. Uh, you know, fishing up here in Lauderdale, we've been getting a lot of like the uh, 40 to 60 pounders and things like that. But normally this time of year, we're getting, you know, everything's like 80 to 180. Right. Um, you know, there's a few bigger fish sprinkled in here and there. Um, but you're seeing a lot of the medium-sized fish. Yeah. See, this is my point. And I've, I've talked to different guides and all the friggin' authorities and the tarpon trust people and everybody that's a tarpon expert. And they talk about this annual migration. That's horseshit. Tarpon do not migrate through Florida on an annual migration. These are not the fish that were here last year necessarily. Or 
not all the fish came back from last year otherwise we'd be getting the big boys yeah and you can tell different seasons and i don't know um you know how how to track the fish to come and go from here but it's not annual it's not the same fish every friggin' year right and today and now you said that very much every guy that i've talked to has said that this year so that proves my point right yeah I mean, we, we we saw some some bigger fish this morning, uh, and then we actually had a, a couple shrimp events in Lauderdale this year. Which, you know, if you're in the right place at the right time, it happens in Lauderdale about three or four times a year. Right. But uh, we had some some good action with uh, you know tarpon pop and shrimp and things like that. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I saw some shrimp this year. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen quite as many shrimp come through this year. And I saw videos of Hulls, was it Hillsboro? Oh, I heard. I, I haven't been there, but I've heard that the guys have been getting them like crazy up in Hillsboro. Well, Mitchell, Mitchell's like, did you see the the shrimp run videos? And yeah, I've seen a whole bunch of them, and I've, I've I've been sitting on top of them down in Miami watching the shrimp go by. So I'm like, yeah, 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 I've seen that. And then he shows me the video, and dude, I did not see that. It looked like a swarm of bees just going nuts for 10 15 minutes at a time i mean thousands and thousands of shrimps going through hillsborough inlet yeah so i'm not sure what's going on with the shrimp it's good to see good to see i don't know where they're coming from there's no seagrass anymore in fort lauderdale it seems like but <laughs> and, one, and one of the things about fort lauderdale and up north here in Broward is we don't have to deal with the shrimp boats yeah oh my god the shrimp boats were smoking us down in this game pay this last week really well the other nice thing about lauderdale is that yeah you might only get a, a couple shrimp runs a, a, a winter but you're not going to see any of their boats fishing it you know, I, you know yeah. I, i'd say 90 percent of my trips i never have another boat fishing where i, I want to fish or you know i don't have to worry about any of that it's great well i think fort lauderdale especially from fort lauderdale the pompano has gone through a transition where the people that used to fish out there gave up on it yeah i agree and for good reason it's it's not an easy fishery right <laughs> and that's um <clears throat> that's the thing that uh that i'll often bring up is people that are fishing you know fort lauderdale especially the bar is much higher than probably any place else in the state now you can be successful here you can crush the tarpon people have been watching me do it i've been watching you do it there was guys before us that have been doing it but it gets harder and harder every single year and thank god that some of the fishing pressure has slacked off because with the number of fish that are here nowadays it couldn't withstand the fishing pressure that we had down here 10 years ago say yeah you know and it's kind of sad that people gave up on the fishery but as far as work goes it's a blessing in disguise yeah yeah i don't know but um less fishing pressure now more boat traffic pressure right and um bait is almost impossible uh, for most is, people bait is tough in lauderdale <laughs> especially so, this time of year right so at least now august you know you for the mullet at least you don't have to worry about too many too many guides um starting and competing with you unlike 305 but even in the 305 um miami i'm seeing a fifth of the number of guides that i saw 10 15 years ago a lot of them got older, you know, retired like Costio, like Bouncer. Some of these dudes disappeared. Um, the old fly fishing dude. Uh, what's his name? 
Bob, Bob LeMay. Uh-huh, yep. Yeah, I used to see him all the time. And you're just not seeing that many guys, even down in uh, in Miami. And it's, I just think it's a reflection of tarpon fishing used to be so much easier than it is today. Yeah. What, are you seeing more recreational guys? Not really. I'm seeing less of everything, to tell you the truth, down in Miami. Um, especially, like, government cut. Um, government cut, there used to be so many tarpon in government cut that not only did the tarpon guides were there, but the sport fishing boats would come in there. And, and catch tarpon too. So you'd be sitting out there and Ray Rocher or somebody come in, you know, from their offshore trip and there'd be so many tarpon that they'd set up with the big sport fish and drift out the inlet and, you know, pick them off. Yeah. Um, you never see that anymore. It's kind of weird fishing out there, not seeing bouncer out there all the time. I mean, from the day I ever went down there, I don't know how many years ago that was, 30 years ago, when you went out to government cut, he was there. He was there. Yeah. He was coming or going or fishing for tarpon. Out of all the people, he probably got more in my face than anybody <laughs> down there. And now that he's not there, it's like you go out there and you're all by yourself. And you're like, man, I'd like to see Bouncer pull up. Right. You like you like to see him set up a, a drift right in front of you or something like <laughs> something, that. <laughs> something that I even used to get pissed about, I kind of now miss. <laughs> so anyway, that's, uh, I don't know, in a nutshell. But the Miami Boat Show was here last week. And I did like eight trips in a row down there in Miami. And for once, down by the Miami River, between Miami River and Bayside, or Miami River and, I don't know, where the boat show was, it actually felt like Fort Lauderdale at night. There was more boats. Oh, man, I can only imagine. But the nice thing about it is I could hightail it across the bay and got away from everybody. But I couldn't believe it at nighttime in Miami that it looked like the boat traffic here in Fort Lauderdale. Wow. First time I've ever seen it like that down there, anyway. And the guys that uh, and the guys that uh, are fishing, you know, from the boat show. I had like a, a Viking dealer from Turkey. I had a guy from Yamaha, a guy from Suzuki with their crab. And these guys don't even want to start till like six thirty, seven o'clock at night. Well, because they're at the show all day. Yeah, because they're working. Yeah. So anyway, we did that last week down there at my boat show, and. I'm glad that the boat show's over and it's past us. Now all we got to do is get past Easter. It's pretty much smooth sailing down here in the metropolitan area. Yeah, get, a, get, a, get some nice warm, humid days going in a row here and uh, scare all the snowbirds out of here. Well, I'm a little bit concerned about how warm the water is right now. Where I was fishing, uh, I fished Fort Lauderdale one day this week, and I've been fishing in the intercoastal down um, in North Miami. Water temperature, 82 degrees in February. Yeah, I mean, I was saying that earlier. We haven't really had much of a winter. I mean, I think we've had one cold front in February, and I don't even think it got that cold. The last real cold front was all the way back to Christmas. Right. During that um, um, bowl week, during all the teams were down here, uh-huh. we got that cold front, water temperature dipped down low 70s, high 60s down in Biscayne Bay, and then it was over. That was it. That was it. Yeah. I'm a little bit um, nervous. Um, about how warm the water is because last year I saw a little bit less algae in the water than I did the previous two. I'm a little bit apprehensive, a little bit paranoid, per se, about all this warm water so early because I'm afraid we're going to see that blue-green algae that I didn't see too much of the last two years. Yeah, another thing is, you know, how much it's going to rain. Um, they also opened the, the, uh, the gates to the... Okeechobee to the east so 
sometimes that water comes down and, and dirties up and gets down here too. Right, right. And that's um, that's a whole other issue. You know the way they the way they let the water flow. One day it'll be salty. They open up the gates. The next day it's fresh. And you know anybody that has been around the water for a long time realizes that nothing can sustainably live when you have no medium. Meaning those wild swings in salinity. There's nothing that can nothing can survive it right except for one thing mangrove trees they can survive in anything right which brings me to my next point zach and i were at a meeting in uh, rio vista a couple uh, weeks ago and we get to listen to this lady called nancy gassman who's the assistant director of public works zach's there with his dad his dad's a big fishing enthusiast lives in the neighborhood Zach's there. There's some other fishermen in the room. I'm there. And there's a guy from Clean Waterways that's there that often tests the, uh, the uh, Tarpon River that they were talking about. Now, have you, have you had experience with Nancy Gassman before? Uh, about one year ago, I uh, reached out to the city and sent him an email saying, hey, look, I'm trying to plant some mangroves. You know, I thought it'd be as simple as putting a couple trees in the ground. Um, so it started out as an email, maybe four or five people. Next thing you know, I have 10, 15 people on this email thread, and everybody says, you know, this is a great idea. We want to do this. You know, uh, Vice Mayor Ben Sorensen, Greg Travaria, all these people, Anthony Fajardo, and they all they are all on board with it. They all thought it was a great idea until Nancy Gassman got uh, put on the email thread, and she basically denied the idea and said it was bad for, you know, X, Y, and Z. And kind of tried to abolish the entire thing. She she basically was any fire that you were starting, she was trying to put out, extinguishing it. Yeah. Okay. So still still trying, uh, but she's definitely been a thorn in our in our side. Just trying to plant mangroves, you know, not trying to, you know, change Fort Lauderdale. We're just trying to put a few trees in the ground. Right. Right. And this has been a, a constant theme with Nancy Gassman, the assistant public works director. I've been to multiple meetings over the years where people and company and companies have brought out different solutions to help clean the waterways here. And the mayor will sit up there and nod his head. The commissioners will sit up there and nod their head. And everybody's, you know, supposedly open to these ideas. And then the representative for the city that actually comes and talks to you is Nancy Gassman, who totally foo-foos every single idea that has ever been presented to the city of Fort Lauderdale. Right. She's supposed to be helping out the environment, and it seems like she's wanting to do the exact opposite. Nancy Gassman. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Is running this meeting for the Rio Vista Civic Association, and they're specifically talking about Tarpon River, which is what the meeting was all about. So how did you feel when the first thing Nancy Gassman said was, we're taking the clean water initiative and not making it a priority anymore in the city of Fort Lauderdale. 
it's like they haven't even solved the issue and they're already they haven't even done anything and they're already demoting it demoting it's not a priority anymore and what she hung her hat on what the city said that they did for us in the last three years since the big sewage spill is they've added more street sweepers sweet and they have a, a boat a 25 foot john boat the two guys with dip nets go out and pick up debris out of the water those two things she actually brought to our attention to brag about to saying how well the city was handling the problem right so and what did you and your dad think about that when she came it, up with that it was ridiculous i mean the, the other thing that she mentioned was that you know don't let your dog clean up your dog's poop like that oh, Pet don't, feces. Don't, don't forget about the uh 200 plus million gallons of human feces that just washed into our waterways but yeah it, it, it's you know all the measures the the street sweepers and you know the the boat cleanup that never leaves the dock i've never seen it out there uh, and i'm on the water almost every day all right so, so zach works on the water almost every day which is why he's in the studio today he's a real guy i got norm beckoff that works on the water every single day I work on the water every single day. I have another friend, Carl, that works on the water every single day. None of us have ever seen this boat out cleaning up anything. So I've, I've cleaned up more trash probably today than that boat's ever cleaned up. Or those, or those <laughs> voluntary cleanups that you do on the weekend and that type of thing. Right. I've never seen that boat out. Zach has never seen that boat out. Nobody sees the boat out. So we simply, I simply bring it up to Gasman and say, Nancy, you know, you're telling us about your street sweeper and your boat. Like, I've never seen the boat out there before. And her response to me was, well, I have GPS tracks to prove it. There is no better example of foo-fooing somebody. Like, did she want me in that meeting? Did she want my input? <laughs> should that meeting have been public? Or should it should have been a manuscript that she sent out to everybody in the mail? They're all things that, you know, are a response to what's going on. You know, the thing I tried to bring up to her at the meeting is what are you trying to do to actually improve the quality of the water? You know, other than not letting pollution into the water, what are you trying to, you know, what are you, oyster beds or mangroves or things like that that can actually filter the water mm -hmm. and improve the water quality? And, and, you know, she didn't seem to have an answer for that other than, you know, mangroves weren't a good idea. No, she did have an answer for that. It was a direct lie and she knows better. If you remember correctly, she compared doing the mangrove project as the same as doing the oyster project. And then she told us that the water was so polluted that it wouldn't support mangroves. Right. Is, is what she actually said, and which was a dead lie. She also led us to believe that there's no more sewage spills in the city, that the city rectified that and took care of that, which is a dead lie. And then thirdly, she tried to tell us that they resurrected and have made making improvements to the Tarpon River, which was a direct lie. She sat up there and lied to the people in Rio Vista over and over and over again. She lied to your dad. So what do you and your dad talk about privately when you guys are talking about the water qualities and Gasman and the mayor and all the douchebags that are running the city? Well, you know, it's we talk about how something needs to be done and we need to get these people, get them out of there. You know, it's, it's clear and obvious that they're a thorn on our side and something's got to be done to and you know get better leaders in there and, and get somebody that actually cares about the waterways to go in there and actually do something and it's kind of kind of sad to see and you know i was fishing with the guy today that that grew up in fort lauderdale mm -hmm. and you know he's telling me about when he was in lauderdale you know he used to fish here here and here and all the fish that used to be there and it's, it's all gone now 
Right. Now, and, you, and, and you'll keep getting clients like that. Um, it's a weird clientele that wants to come back and fish in what they call their homeland or their roots or whatever they want to call it. But there's a lot of people that just want to fish here because this is where they were introduced to it and they have some sort of emotional um, attachment to it. And that's what I would like to see from any of our city leaders, some sort of emotional attachment to the waterways. And then I would like to see, and I don't even know how this fucking works, but how do you get rid of somebody like Nancy Gassman? She's not an elected official. So what do you do? You go to your commissioner or somebody's got to fire her, I guess. I'm not even sure. Well, we need to find out. And that needs to be an agenda here in the city of Fort Lauderdale. And the other municipalities, state, county, other cities, if you have somebody that's in your, um, what do you want to call it, city leadership loop or whatever, that is a Nancy Gassman, that wants to foo-foo everything and will lie to your face, they will be there forever unless you call them out. And luckily, here in Fort Lauderdale, is we're starting to get a coalition of people that are paying attention to what's going on and are calling people like Gassman out. Another thing that she did was uh, she's responsible for the seawalls along Cordova. Right. And I was told, I heard actually that uh, Fort Lauderdale had knowledge on living shorelines uh, going back several years now. Mm-hmm. And she basically kind of ignored ignored the science and went ahead and put these massive seawalls in that are just concrete with sheet metal that you know don't allow any any life to be built around them. So Fort Lauderdale's known about this and they're ignoring it. They're ignoring the science. They're planting mangroves in Palm Beach County. They're planting mangroves in, in Miami Dade. They're doing the right thing now. Why aren't we doing it in Fort Lauderdale? Why are we doing it first? We we should be the pioneers of this. Right. We should be the leaders. We should be the people that people look at and say, man, Fort Lauderdale is doing a good job of developing and managing their waterways. This will never happen as long as people like Gassman. Now, also remember, the mayor, he knows this stuff. He's turning an eye to it. He does not want to do this. He has never brought it up. We've taken them out on the boat. We've showed them areas where they can plant mangroves. We showed them that 80% of the pollution is in 20% of the area. We showed them different places they could plant mangroves and create estuaries that wouldn't block boat traffic. We showed them where the pollution was, where it was coming from, and he agreed. We also did that with the commissioner here on our side of town, Glassman. He was on the boat. So these people know these things, and they're neglecting the ideas that good people like you and your dad bring up. Now, I know that you guys did extensive research on um, different ways to plant mangroves and living seawalls. What's the deal with Gassman promoting new seawalls all over town to combat sea level rise, but not putting in the environmental part? If you're going to do, I thought that was great. Was your dad asked that question, right? Yeah. You're going to put in six miles of new seawalls? But are you going to make them like the last seawall that you did, which is just one giant piece of cement and metal that no life can live on? Right. And her response to you and your dad was, you guys should get realistic about where you live. Did you guys talk about it afterwards? Did you feel like that was a slap in the face? Yeah. And that's not the only time she said something like that, too. 
I mean, when I brought it up in the email thread, uh, and she said no, I, I I replied back to her and I said, you know, you have all these people moving to Fort Lauderdale, and, and you know, you're ruining the wildlife. And she goes, well, that's the issue. That's the problem that we currently come across with, um, you know, humans living in uh, wild areas. And basically said, is there's nothing you can do about it. Um, it's it's kind of disrespectful, honestly. No, very disrespectful. The amount of tax money that comes out of the Civic Association of Rio Vista is friggin' intense. I would say, just like the pollution, 20% of the people pay 80% of the taxes in this town. Yeah. They're paying for her fucking salary and all those commissioners and stuff to deal with her. And you would think, you would think just once, especially when it comes to water, that the city would take the sides of the residents and... Take in the smart people that are living here and that are concerned. Now, we're not talking about just average Joes. We're talking about people that are professionals. We're talking about some of the smartest people in the entire world that are coming up with solutions. But they're coming up to people that I, maybe I'll go out on a limb and say that people like Nancy Gassman are not the smartest people in the world. Now, your dad's a doctor and Nancy's a doctor. How the fuck does that happen? Good question. <laughs> Right, it's like kind of like the way Biden's old lady's a doctor. Is it that the way it is? Then you, you get a degree and they call you a doctor, you know. And then you go to work for some city and tell freaking smart people what they can and can't do. Yeah, I mean, but like you said, you, you got uh, you know some of the wealthiest people in, in Rio Vista, and, and the data that she showed was was fifty percent uh, of the time that the water is passing uh, the bacterial rate. So, fecal bacterial level. So fifty percent. So every other day, there's shit in the water. Right. And then that's not even what uh, the guys over at Clean Waterways and the the Tarpon River uh, Foundation they do their own testing. And I don't know if you know the exact numbers, but they were talking to us at the end of the uh, at the end of the presentation. And they were saying their numbers are failing ninety percent of the time. Right. And they're testing at high tide every time. Right. Now the clean water. So that's another lie that that Nancy she's putting up the data that's obviously different from other people that are, are testing. Right. And uh, Walter Matthews was at the meeting, and Walter Matthews started a nonprofit called the Tarpon River Restoration Project. And um, it's, a, it's a nice nonprofit. It's a local thing. And he simply asked Nancy Gassman, how is it that John from Clean Waterways tests and your tests don't match up, and how can you guys work together to find out what the real issues are with the water and where it's coming from. And she avoided that question, and she downplayed the company Clean Waterways like they were nothing, like they were irrelevant, like they were illegitimate. But her information was legitimate, and she could not talk and converse with the people from Clean Waterways. What do you think that's all about? She's obviously got something to hide. Right. She's got something to hide. She does not want to work with the other people that are not working for the government. Right. They they want to show that the water is clean and you can swim in it and you can fish in it and you can, you know, do all. I mean, I I throw the cast net. I know you don't, but I put, put the fucking thing in my mouth. That's gross. <laughs> That's gross. So when every time I throw the net and I come up empty handed, I got to put the thing back in my mouth. Oh, dude. <laughs> it's disgusting, but right, you know, it, it's and 
she's sitting here lying to me, telling me that the water's clean and it's okay for me to put in my mouth. And meanwhile, I know that what I'm putting into my mouth. Right. It's so I found out because one of the questions that I asked Nancy Gassman, the um, I said the only the only thing that the people can see is the test results that come back from the Miami water keepers. That's the only barometer we have on whether our water is getting any better or not. And I wrote it down, 78% of the time, both Hemershee Canal and the Tarpon River have failed the fecal bacterial levels that the Miami Water Keeper test results show. The fecal bacterial levels are supposed to be 70 parts per million or below. And when they fail, it's not like they're failing, you know, by 10 points or 15 points. They're failing by hundreds of points. Right. It's like 500 parts per billion that they're getting. Right. And parts per million or whatever it is. Right. And when I asked her if she was going to extend the contract that they have with Miami Waterkeepers to keep doing the testing, she said that, that they're going to give them another 90 days. And then I was talking to Sue Bailey the other day, and they're going to discontinue the program with the Miami Waterkeepers probably after that 90 days. So I think the Rio Vista Civic Association needs to know that because she did not answer that question. She knew that answer when we were in there. And I think that um, we should make a big stink about it again and get Rachel and the Miami Waterkeepers an extension because really, that's the only way that we have any data on paper unless you or I go out there and do it. And. We don't need the data. We have our eyes. We know what's going on out there. Right. Yeah, you know I mean, but to my point is, the one thing that they were actually doing, people could keep track of, they're going to quit doing. And you know why? Well, it's the same thing. They they just took the water as away from a priority, and they're hoping that people stop talking about it and stop thinking about it, and uh, exactly. it, it goes by the wayside, and everybody forgets about it. Exactly. And. That's why I think that at this point in time, the small army of people that we have here in Broward County, which I'm proud to say we have one for a change. I mean, I can remember going to a meeting like that, and there might be two or three people that show up. And out of the two or three people that show up, it'd be some old man that has nothing better to do with their time, the person that ran it, which would have been the head of the Civic Association, and maybe one or two other people. In the last... I don't know how many meetings that the city's had about different water quality stuff. It's usually at night. You know, it's not easy for things to make, but I feel good that at least we have people now that show up and pay attention and now can talk about these meetings like we're talking about now. And can call people out on their bullshit. Which is exactly what they've been giving us for years. <laughs> one, one more thing. I got a, a, a lie that, that Nancy said. She she tried to make it sound like the that the water... And I don't know if you remember this, but she's like, what? And, you know, people say that the water is brown and this, that, the other. She tried to make it sound like it was supposed to be brown. She said it, it comes from the Everglades and it's brown water. And, and She spoke to people in the, River, in the River Vista neighborhood like they were kindergartners. Yeah. And, and then she says, you know, it's supposed to be this, this brown tan in color. Meanwhile, and you could probably attest to this. I've talked to people that grew up in Fort Lauderdale, you know, 50, 60 years ago, 70 years ago. And they tell me when they grew up in Fort Lauderdale, they could see clear to the bottom in the New River. You could see clear to the bottom in the New River, and there is still days that you can do that. It's far and few between. 
but between what they're letting out of the gates and what they're letting out of the drains and what they're letting out of the sewage systems, it's a fucking crapshoot. Um, Nancy insinuated that nobody in the in the meeting that night knew what tannic water was. Right. <laughs> so she felt compelled to let everybody know that tannic water is browned. Yes, tannic water is brown. And tannic water can get milky at times when you have a mix of fresh water with it. But everybody in that room knew damn well that the Tarpon River is contaminated, polluted, and is still polluted, and is still as shitty as it's ever been, no matter what she says. But the fact of the matter that she talked to people in that room like they were morons or they were kindergartners is sickening to me. It's a major problem that we have here in our town. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it's probably a major problem in every single town because the people that they have running the government are morons. If you, Anybody that wants an, a nice microcosm of this problem is look at that shit that happened out in Ohio. Yeah. The EPA did it. <laughs> the EPA said it was okay to light the shit on fire. And then they tried to deny it. From a national level all the way down to your local level, we have a bunch of people in there that are treating us either like fools, kindergartners, but they're definitely not treating the people as constituents. And they think everybody's a moron and nobody knows what they're talking about. And that might have been an argument about water quality here in Fort Lauderdale 15 years ago, but it's not an argument now. I gotta thank you and your dad for showing up to these type of meetings and more importantly, rallying the troops to get other people to show up to the meetings. Um, Zach has done exactly what I would like to see everybody. How old are you, Zach? 31. 31 years old. So, Busaka is about the same age. It's attending meetings like this, doing cleanups, doing podcasts to spread the news and information that they know. And our environmental snowball is rolling and it's getting bigger. I can't brag about the city of Fort Lauderdale stepping up to the plate. I can't brag about other foundations stepping up to the plate, but I can brag about the locals here in Fort Lauderdale. I found it refreshing that you showed up there with your old man or your dad. Can you tell me a little bit about what you guys are all about? So yeah, my uh, my dad and I, he, you know, I, I grew up uh, on the water uh, in Fort Lauderdale and, you know, he kind of showed me about fishing and taught me about fishing and uh you know we used to go offshore all the time we still do uh, you know when we we get together and we have you know some good father son moments where we're out in the water and we're, we're talking about uh you know thing things that uh the way that things used to be uh you know i remember in my own canal growing up every morning before school we'd go out there together and uh the jacks would be busting the mullet up against the seawall mm -hmm. and uh you know you, you don't you don't really see that anymore so uh, my dad's been pretty instrumental in uh, kind of showing me the ropes and, um, you know, giving me uh, a background and support system for, 
for doing what I do. Uh, definitely couldn't do it without him and and also my mom. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, we always we always talk about what we need to do to to improve Fort Lauderdale and, and you know get things back to way the way they used to be really. Right. And uh, you know, he's been uh, been pretty good role model in my life so i got it got to thank him for that well you know i do a lot of different interviews with a lot of different people and the interview that we uploaded last week with george copeland um he brought up his relationships about fishing with his sons it's a common it's a common theme and people like you people like me that had a dad that showed him these things and and made you understand you know what goes along with fishing and give you respect for your environment and your passion for the water is we're truly fortunate to have that and the time that you get to spend um like george copeland said that's what it's all about right so i'd like to encourage all the dads new old to do exactly what my dad did and what zach's dad did and what so many others have done except today it's a new game it's not introducing people to the environment it's introducing people to saving the environment. Yeah. You know, and I think your dad's been able to make that transition from, say, what he did with you 15 years ago, and then now you and guys sitting ass to ass at a civic association meeting in your own neighborhood because the water's so fucking polluted that you're afraid to put your net in your mouth. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of a shame that it's gotten to that point. But, you know, you, you grew up with, with your dad, and he takes you fishing, and he shows you, you know, it creates a, a passion. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and when you're a six-year-old kid and you see a, you know, tarpon for the first time in your life or, you know, a, a bonefish or you're on the flats and you see crystal clear water and you ask yourself, you ask your dad, you know, dad, like, how come Fort Lauderdale isn't like this? Or, you know, how come, you know, when we fished with, you know, Mark Croca 25 years ago, we caught six tarpon a night every time we went, you know, what, what, what's, what's changing here? You mean Croca's not getting 30 a night? <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that one out there. <laughs> no, right. You're right, dude. You're exactly right. And um, because you've paid attention to it, you get it better than others. But um, I think one of the one of the most value I think that you bring to the table is your age. Same with Stephen Busaka. Stephen Busaka, you know, he doesn't get to spend the time on the water. But your age group is going to be the ones that actually make the turn. You guys are getting it at a much younger age than we ever thought about it. And you're starting to get what it takes and what your fight is all about. Your fight is about the gasmans of the world. Yeah. Well, the, the problem with our generation, too, is is you talk to guys like you. You talk to you know, old, you know the, the old locals and things like that, and they, they tell you about what the way the things it used to be. And you're sitting out here, and you're, you, know, you catch one tarp in a night, and you're like hell yeah that was a good night you know mm-hmm. and but you don't realize what you're missing and you know it, that's not fair to us that's not fair to the future generation that you know you might be catching one tarpon every seven nights in 20 30 years from now who knows but right. you know we got to protect what what we have now and uh you know hopefully get it to come back to some former level of, of what it uh what it once was so yeah, I appreciate you having me me come on. I, I, I really uh, wanted to thank you. Um, but but while I'm here, I also wanted to 
you know, uh, say some names that have, have kind of been in this fight with us together and uh, give a big thank you to them. Uh, you know, Mike Lambrex has been doing a lot with the CCA. Um, you know, he was running for city commission. His policy was running on water. So is Kevin Cochran. You know, we don't want to give that up. We want, you know, just because those guys didn't win the city commission seat, we want to keep on fighting. Um, you know, uh, when I was, which I'm still trying to do, plant my mangroves. Uh, Johnny Luce and, and Clean Waterways were a big help to me. Uh, and his marine biologist, uh, John Monahan. Uh, we went out and we scouted some mangrove sites. John uh, Johnny Luce has provided us a lot of uh, you know political su- support. Um, Kyle Rawson from uh, Mangear he came out and looked at mangrove sites for us. You know, basically told me that a mangrove can live basically anywhere, even in a in a sewage dump. Um, <laughs> right, Nancy. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, also wanted to thank. Uh, Well, you were telling me that your dad um, is friends with the new commissioner for your part of town, and that's that's now the commissioner for District Four, where the river is. Correct. So, uh, my my dad knows Warren Sturman, so uh, we're hoping to get Warren on bo- on board with some of this stuff. Uh, you know that he's in that city commission spot that we can hopefully motivate him and and kind of get him uh, on our side and. and you know, look to cleaning up our waterways and things like that. So we used to go and we would talk to Sorensen, mm-hmm. which didn't do a whole lot of good. So now we can go and we can talk to Sturman. Yes, Sorensen was was on. Uh, he he was on board with our uh, mangrove planting project. He was one of the guys that you know said he was down for it, but then he he moved on. So hopefully we're, we're going to talk to get Warren involved and see if we can keep that project moving forward in a, in a positive direction there. So. Out of all this talk about who won District 4, there's actually some light at the end of the tunnel because this guy, Warren Sturman, is uh, somewhat open to the fisherman's point of view. Yeah, like I said, he's got a good relationship with my dad, so hopefully we can we can sway him a little bit and at least you know sit down and talk to him and uh, you know let him know where we're coming from. Right. Well, Zach, thanks for coming in. Um, I've been wanting to get you in the, in the studio ever since we were at the... Um, Civic Association meeting. Also, thanks for letting me know that it was that night, that time. We get busy. We're fishing all the time. It's hard to keep up with this crap. And that's what I mean. There's guys out there. There's a new network. There's a new environmental snowball um, where guys, real guys, talk to one each, talk to one another, keep each other updated, um, pick up where one guy might have left off, fill in when one guy can't show up. And um, there's a nucleus of people here in Fort Lauderdale. And if we can create that here in Fort Lauderdale, which is probably one of the hardest places to create something like that, then please, people in the rest of the state, try try to make it happen in your own town, in your own local community. Because what you see happening here in Fort Lauderdale will be happening to your town as it grows. And if you want to debate that, ask the people of Stewart. Ask the people of Jupiter. Ask the people of Punta Gorda. They are seeing the same problems, the same issues that Miami and Fort Lauderdale have created. It's just that we were way ahead of you guys, and it's coming. Yep. One last shout-out. I wanted to, uh, Susie Bailey has been doing a lot of positive uh, for, for our waterways and, and helping to you know, keep everyone alert and things like that. So I wanted to thank her as well. Yeah, Susie Bailey, she's a trooper. Um, 
I love talking to her. She's always positive. She's always forthgoing. She goes through the extra effort. And we actually had her on the podcast, I don't know, 50 or 60 episodes ago. And if you haven't heard about Susie Bailey, please listen to that uh, podcast. I think you'll love her. And um, she's just a hot ticket. She actually gives a shit about what's happening in the canal that she lives on. Man, what a novel thought. Anyway, Zach, thanks for coming in. Good luck with the rest of your tarpon season. And... Um, I got to tell you, I'm not going to call it jealous, but when I see you roll by in that fancy skiff you got now, <laughs> it makes me think. Yeah, what, what could be, right? It makes me think. I might jump in one day. Anyway, Zach, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Run that dog. <laughs>